Amen. Thank you, Paul. Good morning, church. It is so good to be with you and uh, good to be back in Queensland. And this is the start of uh, uh, my first tour since 2019. Now, I've done one-off things, but this is the first time since 2019. Hitting the road, I've got uh, 12 meetings in the next 10 days. Uh, and that's the way that I like it when I'm not with family. But my wife is actually flying up at the end of the week uh, to share next weekend on the road with me, which would be really, really good. Uh, but uh, here we are. So I'm going to do a couple of songs just as a teaser for this afternoon. So if you want uh, an hour and a bit of music this afternoon, telling some stories, sharing some new music from a brand new album, uh, this afternoon will be my first. I, I did a launch. Well, it is kind of the launch. I did a launch in my home church uh, two weeks ago, and this is actually the first concert outside of my home church featuring uh, a brand new album. So I'm a little bit nervous. Uh, come along and hear me forget all the lyrics. That'll be great. But uh, I'd love to see there about 2.30, is that right? <coughs> Fantastic. Well, here's a couple of songs. Through the 
Beyond the changing of my mind Though my deepest fears abound You're the one Through a dark and sleepless night When the sun just won't break through When nothing's going right Lord, you're the one You're the one who calmed the sea you're the one who healed the dying You're the one who walked on water And turned the water into wine You're the one who lives and died To set the captive free And you did it all You did it all for me Beyond the burden of my heart Beyond the trouble that surrounds Though my life be torn apart 
Hey, uh, I, won't, uh, I won't go long this morning. Uh, I had a great time with the worship team this morning. We had breakfast together and uh, just, uh, just shared. And I, uh, I love seeing the young people up here. And uh, I've got to say, each and every one of us, as I said to the guys this morning, uh, we are born into such a time and place as this. We're not born into such a time and place as this just to live lives that we plan out, making the best and doing the best of, uh, of, of what life throws at us and to chart our own course and our own pattern. We, we, we need to understand that God intentionally created you for this moment. The last words of Jesus to his disciples in Matthew 28 and 18, he gave them the great commission. And he said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And we are to live lives on mission for God. But there are three responses that we can give to the Great Commission. I won't, 
I can't or I will. I can't think of any other responses other than I, 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 I can't, I won't or I will. If you live from the perspective of I won't, that is actively saying no to God. I don't want to engage in the Great Commission. I don't want to engage in the mission. Uh, then, well, enjoy turning up for a meeting and enjoy being a participant, enjoy being a, a spectator. Uh, but that's not the adventure that God has birthed you into this time for. He, he has created you for such a time and place as this to engage in the Great Commission. I, I pray that we would all say, I will... But history tells us the most common human response to the call of God is, I can't. And that's not unique to us. It's unique to every generation that has ever lived. And it's unique to the founding fathers. You look right through the Old Testament. Every person, every man or woman called of God to do something significant for him all said, I can't. And God says, that's okay. I can deal with, I can't. I can deal with, I can't. I love this um, from 1 Corinthians 1 and 26. And the Apostle Paul gives to each and every single one of us the qualification for ministry. And he says, brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose. The foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things that are the despised things and the things that are uh, sorry and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. And I love the fact that God's methodology is always so different to ours. That God says, I call the weak, I call the foolish, I call those who are not influential, I call those people to be the ones that I gather, to be the ones that by my Holy Spirit I empower to do the work of the Great Commission, the work of God's kingdom. And friends, I want to encourage you this morning, don't live your life from I won't and don't allow I can't to cause you to be dead in the water. Because God, by his Holy Spirit, has given us everything that we need to accomplish the mission that he has called us uh, to live out for his glory. And we've got to come to a place where we expect great things from our wonderful and supernatural God. I I once heard this analogy of the church, and it's a good one. Um, And this guy said that the, the, the church too often is found like this. It's like a man who cut his hand mowing the lawn one day and his wife sent him off to the hospital. And he arrived at the hospital and he walks in through the front door and he just finds himself in an empty room just with two doors on the opposite wall. One's marked male, the other one's marked female. He marks through the door marked male. He gets into that room and there's two more doors. One's marked over 40, the other one's marked under 40. He goes through the door marked over 40. He gets into that room and there's two more doors. One's marked upper body, the other one's marked lower body. So he goes through the door marked upper body. He gets into that room and there's two more doors. One's marked internal, the other one's marked external. He goes through the door marked external. He gets into that room and there's two more doors. One's marked serious, the other one's marked not serious. He goes through the door marked not serious and finds himself back out in the car park. (laughs) Now he gets home to his wife and she said, well, did they help you? And he said, no, but they sure were (laughs) organised. And friends, here's the point. 
Too often, the church can be found as a great community organization, but are we lacking the spiritual life that God wants us to have because we are people who say, God, I can't, but you can. That by your Holy Spirit, you will enable us to reach out to a broken generation, a hurting generation, a lonely generation, that you would cause us to reach out and represent the truth of Jesus well, because as Zechariah 4 and 6 says, it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And that, friends, that is the methodology that God uses. Simple, ordinary, everyday people empowered by the supernatural enabling of God to do what we simply cannot do in our own strength. That is to be the body of Christ, to be the continuing work of Jesus in the world today. And we've got to move from a place of I can't to a place of I will because God can. I, I, I love this encounter in Acts chapter 4. The church is exploding with growth in Jerusalem, uh, causing a bit of an uproar, and uh, trying to catch the apostles out. Peter and John are brought before the Sanhedrin, the court, to uh, testify in their defense because they healed a guy on the Sabbath. Now, they want to see these guys locked in prison and the key thrown away. They want to try and quell this uprising, this explosive growth of this, the way that was turning Jerusalem upside down. And uh, basically, Peter and John have, have an opportunity to testify in this hostile court in their own defense. And uh, go with me, I've got a wild imagination, but I can just imagine Peter and John in a room outside waiting to be let in to testify and uh, they're kind of talking between themselves and John's going, Pete, we're in real trouble here, mate. These guys want to lock us away, lock us up, throw away the key. What do we do? What do we do? I think we should just kind of uh, plead on the mercy of the court and do whatever we can to try and get out of this. And I think that's our best strategy. So here they are and basically brought before the court. Next day, this is Acts chapter 4 and 5. The next day, the rulers, elders and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. So were Caiaphas, John Alexander and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began question, to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? And then it says, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under it heaven given to men by which we must be saved and I can see John off to the side going mate this is not what we agreed upon what are you doing because in the natural that is about the most dangerous response that they could have given in a hostile court preaching the gospel but we have those operative words in verse 8 then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit preaches the gospel to a hostile court and I love their response in verse 13 when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled ordinary men they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus and my prayer for the church is the world who is looking on the world who is 
uh, filled with skepticism, a world who lacks trust in the church, sometimes because of our own foolish actions, a world who looks at us and, and, uh, and is very suspicious, that they would look at the way that we live our lives, that our lives would testify to the reality of God because as people filled with the Spirit of God, we continue that work of Jesus and that they would go, man, there is something different about you. And in the same way that there would be an astonishment and the only thing that they can put their finger on that causes us to live differently is because there is something real about the Jesus that we say we serve. Can I hear an amen? When God called us into ministry, uh, we're now in our fourth decade. It was about 32 or 33 years ago. We felt the call to ministry and uh, uh, it was very much focused on music back then. It's still an important part of what we do. Um, and uh, I started touring the country. I was supporting artists that were coming in from overseas and doing all those kinds of things, being the Christian artist. And then one day I got a phone call here in Brisbane from a lady saying, Peter, would you like to come into the local high school at lunchtime, and we would love you uh, to do a concert uh, at lunchtime for the students. It had been a long time since I'd been in a high school, and honestly, the reason I said yes is because I had nothing better to do at a Thursday at lunchtime, so why not? So I took uh, a couple of mates in with me and a big PA, and the bell rang for lunchtime, and uh, 700 kids filed out into the playground, and... uh, uh, Well, they all ignored us except for 50... Uh, and that 50 threw things at us. Uh, and that was my introduction into high school ministry. And I seriously went home and I got ten on my knees and I said, God, um, if this... Hey, I get to use two microphones. Um, there was a reason for that. Uh, there was a reason for that, I'm sure. You want to give me the bad mic? That's great. Um, <laughs> I went home and I got down on my knees and I said, God, if this is where you want me, you're going to have to break my heart for, the, for these kids because right now I hate them. Uh, you're going to have to give me wisdom and favour and authority in their environment. You're going to have to give me an understanding of their culture because they look like a bunch of Martians to me. And I just, I, I got up off my knees thinking I was safe because I'd said to God, God, I can't. And what I didn't know was God saying, that's, that's okay, I just need your availability. I can And that launched us into what was 15 years of high school ministry all through Australia and beyond. And uh, I praise God for for those opportunities that if I'd said, no, God, I won't won't do this, or if I had left it and I can't, uh, we would have missed that journey and the fruit of that journey. And and friends, I just want to encourage you, please live from uh, an either an I will Knowing that I can't do it, but God, I know you can. Please never say to God, no, God, it is too hard. Never say to God, I'm not willing. But rather engage in the Great Commission. Engage in the call of God that is upon us, that is upon this generation, to be the church, to be the continuing work of Jesus in the world today. And wherever we bear a faithful witness, we know that it will bear fruit. And I'll close with this story this morning, respecting time. Um, we, uh, we were asked to, again in Brisbane, to go into an area that socioeconomically had some really, really big challenges. It was a huge high school. Uh, uh, I think it was well over 2,000 students. But there was a group of Christian kids in this high school that wanted to start a regular fellowship at lunchtime. And we're going back late 80s, early 90s, where you could still do that kind of thing. Uh, and, and they thought, well... 
let's get Pete Shirley in and his band to do a concert one lunchtime and that will promote the fact that every Wednesday lunchtime this group is going to be gathering just to have fellowship together. So there was an outdoor amphitheatre and room for about 300 kids and it was pretty much full uh, and we launched in, did a bit of a concert and I started to share a testimony and uh, about 10 minutes in there was a group of five or six young guys who walked into this amphitheatre area, deliberately sat in what is always the empty front row, right in front of me, about there, and uh, for the next half hour did everything they could to disrupt what we were doing, draw the attention away from us and onto them, and I conceded they did a really, really good job. And at the end I'm just thinking, I was really quite angry, uh, and, and the louder we got and the more determined we got, the louder and more determined they got, and... Uh, and, and I declared them the winners at the end. And uh, I remember we put all our gear away and I'm driving back and I honestly just developed a really stink attitude and I was just like, God, what a waste of time that was. I could have been somewhere else doing something better with my time and really tried to forget it. Um, however, God wouldn't let me forget it because he wanted me to learn a huge lesson that day. And it was about two weeks later, I got a phone call from a guy that I didn't know and he said, Peter, I've, um, uh, I'm just phoning to thank you for the impact that you've had in my girlfriend's life. And I said, oh, how's that? And he said, a couple of weeks ago, you came to her school and you mentioned the name of the school. And I said, oh, I remember that. That was a real hoot. <laughs> and, uh, and he said these words. He said, Peter, one thing you may not know is that that afternoon, after your presentation, my girlfriend gave a heart to the Lord. And I felt about this big. And I doubted God. I said to God, because I can't, you can't. And what I didn't see that God was doing in the heart of a young girl was simply bypassing five or six guys down the front doing all they could to disrupt what was going on, going straight to the heart of a young girl that needed to hear that message. And I'm on this phone call feeling so humbled and in fact feeling so repentant. And uh, Isaiah writes these words in Isaiah 55 and 8. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the, as the, the rain and the snow come down from the heavens and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Friends, we are called to live on mission for God in these times, in this moment. And we've got to be people who say, God, I will. God, I can't, but you can. Knowing that in season, when the message is popular and well-received and out of season, where culturally the church is becoming increasingly, increasingly marginalised and our message is not politically correct all the time, that God will continue to bring a harvest and we just need to stand ready and faithful as people totally reliant upon him to do what only he can do through us, which is to be the church. Amen? Amen. There is a footnote to the story and I'll close with this. Back to the phone call. I, I said to this young guy, I said, mate, I, I really want to thank you for taking the time to 
to first of all find me and then call me because I have learned a massive lesson today. So thank you. And he said, there's one other thing you need to know, and that's last week she was killed in a car accident. And, um, oh, sorry. I lost my sister in a car accident two months ago. <coughs> and uh, right there, God says, my word achieved the purpose for which I sent it. If he hadn't called, I never would have known. Never would have known. Uh, and I just would have chalked it up to a bad experience. Not recognize the sovereignty of God who moves so profoundly in every circumstance to accomplish what he desires. And we've got to stand ready with hearts filled with expectation. Pastor Paul, you want me to pray? Okay. Hey, <laughs> God, I, I want to thank you, Lord. I thank you for my brothers and sisters here in this room this morning. Father, corporately, we make up your body so diverse in its beauty, reflecting the creativity and the diversity of our wonderful, loving, sovereign, heavenly Father, our Creator. And God, I pray that each one of us, Lord, would feel that prompting of your Holy Spirit, God, to engage in that great mission, that commission that, that Jesus set before us before he ascended to the Father. Father, forgive us for the times where we say, I won't. And Lord, forgive us for the times where we say, I can't, and we use that as an excuse, rather than pushing in and saying, God, I can't, but you can, so I will. And Father, I pray that that would be our heart, that would be our disposition. We would see wonderful things happen because you are a God true to his word. And so, Father, we look to you. We are born into such a time and place as this to fulfill your kingdom's purposes. May each and every one sense the enormity of that call the responsibility of obedience to that call. But, Father, how cool it is that we get to do that together as a family. And so, Father, breathe your life into us, God, I pray. And uh, just continue to speak to us through your word as we live on mission for you in Jesus' name. Amen.